Well, welcome to Life Church today. I'm Aaron Cole, the senior pastor, and it's great to see you. And everybody survived the uh, the holidays. I can see. Uh, how many of you just really overdid it at one point in time? When you see your church, you can go, I did. I'm just going to tell you right now. Whew, thank God for for spanks. That's all I'm going to say right now. Uh, so, I admit it was great, though, right? You had a good time. You could see some in-laws and the outlaws. And as I said, my, my outlaws or my in-laws, they, um, they, they gave us a deep freeze, which is awesome. So they gave us this, this deep freeze arrived at our house. And, um, and so I just said, well, what are you going to fill it with? Like steaks? Ta-da! Yes, the power of positive suggestion. So uh, my birthday was on December 31st. It's that way every year. And, uh, and so, uh, so that's what I got for my birthday was steaks. So I still have a few shelves left. If you didn't get me a birthday gift, it's totally fine. You can just, my wife is telling me it's so horrible. To, I'm shameless, aren't I? I like filet mignon and uh, just a good nice cut. And, and I'm just teasing with you. But seriously, um, I hope you had a, not really. I hope you had a great, great, great Christmas. And, uh, and I'm glad. This is, um, you know, uh, I love, uh, you know, I love Christmas. I love that time of the year. But at a certain point, you just kind of like, you just get sick. Do you do that? You just kind of like, enough. I can't do anything. So what I decided I was going to do this year is completely insane. And I don't know what's going on with this microphone. I'm going to keep talking for a few minutes. Maybe it'll quit the Star Wars up here. Um, but um, what I decided I was going to do is I saw this infomercial for this, how you could have a body like this in 60 days. <laughs> oh my goodness, I saw Mark Miller when I came in here. Oh my, I have not hurt that bad in a long, long time. I'm still hoping I get, the, if I get that body in 60 days, though, I will come out here and preach without a shirt on, I'm just going to say. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't clap too quick, but um, so anyhow, I was like, what was I thinking? So, um, 8 o'clock last night, going to bed, and a Vicodin kind of helped. But, um, whoa, I don't know what your New Year's is like. But we're going to talk in this brand new series called RE. And RE stands for, to, it, it, you add it to any word, it stands to, to go back or again. And the idea behind it is, is it's to, to, to go back to something that you know, or to go again to repeat something. And, uh, and it really is a transformational word. And we're going to talk about the power of, of a few words during this series. I'm going to be preaching every single week in every one of these messages. Uh, but the power of transformation when it comes, when we go back to something. We're going to talk about what you need to stop doing. And you know what it is. Things that you need to start doing in your life. Things that you need to keep doing. And today I want to talk about what we've been doing. And that's the word review review to what we've been doing. And so uh, there's a transformational power behind review. And, uh, and review basically means to examine or to inspect or to critically evaluate. And so a lot of what I'm going to do in this series is really going to make you think, because it's going to be different for everybody in this room. It's going to be different for everybody that, at every campus. Uh, but it's to process this information. So you may take notes that are applicable to you. There may be things that you want to process through the course of the week. There may be things that you actually want to go home and pull this message up online at lifechurchwi.com and just or download it, listen to it, um, and just process a weekly message. Um, 
But during this time of the year, this word review is something that I do. It's kind of habitual for me. Um, I love the ending of one thing and the beginning of something new. And, and I think that it's a perfect time to, to go back in and to review things, uh, to review the past year, to review the, your past choices, your decisions that you've made, the, the things that you, that you will never do again, like maybe what I just decided to start with this workout program, or the things that you just didn't get to that you want to do. Um, one, one person said about the power of reviewing something, that it's a time to gain a new perspective, to stroll along uh, the back roads of our minds, to think about what and where and why. Such visits through the museum of our memory, that's a great phrase, never fail to assist us in evaluating where we were and establishing the way we want to be. Review. And, and this isn't a new subject. This is all throughout Scripture. Uh, matter of fact, as you read the Old Testament, you, you remember that you, God tells his people constantly to remember things, to remember things, to make a memorial. And a memorial basically is something that just helps you to, rem- to remember something, to go back to, to process, to go over and over again. And you see this, this, this cyclical history with Israel, with God's people, as they, they remember the things of God, they turn their attention to the things of God, they do the things of God, and God blesses them and prospers them. And then all of a sudden, they kind of fall away from that, and they quit doing the things of God, and then they get the themselves and troubling and, 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 and get you know, just in a situation where all of a sudden then they forget about God and they quit remembering, they quit reviewing, they quit this transformational process and then they find themselves back in deep weeds again only to cry out to God. And, 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 and so God says in th- throughout scripture to remember, to review, to go back to, to, mem- to memorialize, to, to not forget some things. And, um, and Paul, if you have your Bibles, don't you turn to 2 Timothy 2 Timothy uh, chapter number 2, and Paul is, is writing this, this letter to young Timothy. And Paul has, is being chained. Uh, he's, he's imprisoned. Uh, he's, um, it's his last words, basically, of, of instruction to his young protege. And Timothy, at this point, is a young pastor. He's a young leader. He's overwhelmed. He's dealing with anxiety um, about the role and responsibility of leading arguably the largest church of its time. Uh, in the city of Ephesus. Um, and it, it, the same thing that's going on in the Roman Empire, which they're all under the rule of. Uh, Nero's become the emperor, and uh, Nero was infamous for his persecution and martyrdom of, Christian, of Christians. And so uh, what's happening is, is, is Timothy is now tempted with the fear of his own life. Timothy finds himself in a, in a point where he's fearful of his future, uh, kind of like, what have I done? Why am I here? Did I do the right thing? Uh, he must have wondered at some point in time, is God going to be faithful to me there in this horrible hour? And so this is what's going on in the backside of this letter that Paul's writing to Timothy. And Paul's final words to Timothy, there's an insight. He talks about the power review of how to, uh, and, and the power of this principle of review in your life, and the practical side of it, the practice of review. So I want you to read it with me in 2 Timothy chapter 2. If you don't have your Bible, it's going to be on the screen. Uh, you then, my son, Paul says, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And then the things that you've heard me say in the presence of many witnesses and trust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. Join with me in suffering like a good soldier. No one serving as a soldier gets entangled into the civilian affairs, but rather tries to please his commanding officer, which would be Christ Jesus. Similarly, anyone who competes as an athlete does not receive the victor's crown except by competing according to the rules. 
The hardworking farmer uh, should be the first to receive the share of the crops. Look at verse 7. Reflect on what I'm saying. For the Lord will give you insight into all of this. Into all of what? The preceding six verses that we just read. Remember, he says, Jesus Christ. Raised from the dead, descended from David, this is my gospel, for which I am suffering to the point of being chained like a criminal. But God's word is not chained. Therefore, I endure everything to the sake of the elect or for others, people that have yet to come to faith in Christ, that they may too obtain the salvation that's in Christ Jesus with the eternal glory. Here's a trustworthy saying, if we died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we'll also reign with him. If we disown him, he will also disown us. I love verse 13. If we are faithless, he remains faithful. For he cannot disown, his own, dis, disown himself. Verse 14. Keep reminding God's people of these things. He gives us this process, this practice, this power of review as he talks to young Timothy as he basically is giving his last words. And, and, and here's what happens when one leader talks to another leader, regardless of, of, the, of the field of expertise or, or, or discipline. When one leader talks to another leader, there's something that's happening. They're communicating to them, here's what you have to do to succeed. Here's what you have to do to achieve. Here's what you have to do to make things happen at the level which you want. There's these teachable moments. And that's what Paul's doing to Timothy. He's saying, look, I know it's tough. I know it's tough sledding right now. I know that you feel like that, man, you've gotten yourself into something. I know you find yourself in a situation where you feel overwhelmed. You feel under-equipped. But I'm telling you, I have given you what you've needed. I'm telling you, if you will, be, if you will just simply review the things that I've shown you, review the things that I've said to you, review the things that you've been taught, you're going to be fine. In you is the ability to do what God's called you to do. And so he gives this power, and the first thing he tells him to do is to reflect. Verse 7, to reflect. I want you to reflect. And he tells him to reflect on three things. First of all, reflect on, on, on who Jesus is. Who Jesus is. Secondly, reflect on the teachings that, that Paul's saying to Timothy, that you've heard me teach. And that you've also taught others. Sometimes it's easy to forget what the things that we've learned Sometimes it's easy to forget even the things that we've taught. And he said, I want you to work, I want, I want you to reflect on the work of your calling. This is not going to be easy. You're a soldier in the army of the Lord, and I want you to reflect on these things. And my question to you would be, what in 2013 do you need to reflect over? I know it's 2014, but 2013 is over. What in the last 12 months do you need to reflect? What in the last 12 months do you need to go back to? To reflect means to bend back or to give back to. Um, and, and so what do you need to go back to? What do you need to reprocess? That's different for everybody in this room. Now, this is something that I do pretty, pretty habitually every year is I sit down towards the end of the year, and I begin to reflect on what God's done. I begin to reflect on I have goals that I've pulled out. I'm much a type A personality, and I kind of compare how I did uh, with, with the goals. I'm not really competing with anybody else. I'm just kind of competing against myself. Uh, and I begin to reflect on, on these things. And sometimes in that reflection, it's easy to forget where Jesus was throughout, the, throughout the, the way, throughout the journey, until I just take time and begin to ponder that and think about that and process that. And then I began to see his hand. Sometimes it's hard to see the hand of God working in your life in real time, in the present. But when you step back for a minute and you begin to reflect, you begin to see his hand. You begin to see his work. You begin to remember and reflect upon who he is and what he's done and what he's called you to do. 
to, 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 I began to reflect on teachings and things. I began to go through everything that I've taught. I began to look at that. I evaluate that to make sure that systematically I'm theologically teaching a well-balanced diet to the people that are here on a regular weekend attendance. That's my responsibility to serve up the bread of life, Jesus Christ, hot and fresh every weekend. And so is that balance, is that good? And the leadership that I'm giving to others, the counsel that I'm giving to others, I go back through the, and the teaching that I've received. See, I too, just like you sit under good teaching, I have to find good teaching because I don't get anything out. I'm giving in the context of a weekend service right now. I'm giving. And I'm not receiving anything out of this. I'm, I'm being depleted, if you would. And so I have to in turn find that. And so I have just... just Moleskin, just journals after journals after journals of teaching and of and and of leadership and and of and of conversations and of and of just the things that God's illuminated through His Word to me through the course of the years. So I began to reflect over those things, and I also began to reflect over the work of my calling because, regardless of what God's called you to do, it's not always easy. And I began to size these things up. I began to process. This is what this is what God. This is what Paul is telling Timothy to do. I want you to reflect. And don't forget who Jesus is. I want you to reflect and, and don't forget the things that I've taught you and the things that you know. I want you to reflect and I, I want you to reflect on your work. And even as a church, I, I look and, and I began to reflect on what God's done in the last 12 months. And at the end of the, at the, end of the service today, you're going to see just a video of kind of a video rewind. And it's going to show you the, the building, the actual construction of this facility. And for many of you, for many people in the community, this always cracked me up. I've had people come up to me in the last six months and just go, wow, I didn't know you guys were here. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> it's only been like over a decade of my life, but I appreciate that. You know? I think Milwaukee's a town that where you have to, it takes you 20 years to become an overnight success. It just takes a while. And even the physical building being built, it was a three-year process. It was three years getting to this. It was a year sitting with architects. It was a year sitting with, with contractors. It was a year of walking out of meetings going, if they don't get these numbers down, there's no way we can afford to build. It, it was a year of sitting in front of, of bankers from Chicago to, to San Francisco to all over the country trying to say, we can pay this and we can do this. We believe in this. Having guys look at me and say, you know what, you guys have a really good track record, but we think you've hit a, hit a saturation point in your market, and for us to lend you this kind of amount of money, we just don't see the profitability or the security in your future. Well, that's great. And there are times where you go and you sit in your car at the end of the day and go, what are we doing? Is this ever going to come together? And then finally when it does come together, then you sit down and you go, now we've got to basically explain to the congregation and get everybody on the congregation excited and, and explain what's going to happen and, and answer questions. And some of the questions are really great. And some of the questions were just kind of zany, to be honest with you. And, 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 but, but, but you're answering questions because they're people's questions. And, and you go through this whole thing. And then, and then I can't tell you how many times in the last year in a weekend service where I would be between one service and another service and they would be actually physically working on this building and they would ask me to come over and I would have to stand there with an architect or with an engineer and, 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 and say, here's the problem. We need to have an answer. Guys, I have to go preach in 10 minutes. Only to walk back out and stand on the platform and to preach. But then at the end, you see where God's hand was. At the end, you see the things that he's done. At the end, you begin to see what he's done. But you also know the journey that you got there. And it's always important to remember where you come from. It's always important to remember how you got where you are. You're a turtle on a fence post. You did not get there by yourself. 
And so it's to reflect. And that's what Paul's telling Timothy. Look, in the middle of everything that's going on in your world, in the middle of the chaos, in the middle of the anxieties, in the middle of the expectations, take some time to just simply reflect. There's power in this. The second thing he tells them to do is to remember. Verse 8. Remember. Not just reflect, but I want you to remember. I want you to bring to memory who Jesus is. He said, I want you to bring to remember the person of Jesus. It's interesting to me that you reflect on Jesus, you remember Jesus, and, and bring the, the, the next thing that he, he states, it's all about Jesus. It all comes back down to Jesus. Not because it's ministry, but because he's our all in all. Jesus is not like an add-on, like you have, a, have heated seats in a car. Jesus is either everything or he's nothing. He either is Everything he says he is, or he's a lunatic, or a liar, or he's Lord. It's your choice. But he is one of those three things. And, and you, you get to pick, I guess, I mean, he's Lord, but, 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 but the reality is, is you have to do something with Jesus. But when you accept Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, he becomes your everything and your all. And you don't leave him at church on the weekend like you forget your Bible. I'm not pointing anybody out. You don't leave him at church on the weekend and just go do your life and then come back and pick him up. No, he's either everything or he's nothing. Remember, Commandment number one, I'm the Lord your God, and I'll have no other lowercase gods before me. Not your bass boat, not your car, not your expense account, not your job, not your academics, not a relationship, not a boyfriend, not a girlfriend, not your career moves. I will be God or nothing at all. And Paul says, Timothy, I want you to remember who Jesus is. I want you to remember that he's the word. I love how Paul says it in, in verse 9. He says, he said, I may be chained, but God's word is not chained. He's writing this, this message. He's writing this, this letter in a Roman dungeon, awaiting trial, awaiting his death in essence. He'll never see freedom. And he's writing these words. And he says, look, even though I'm chained, God's word is not chained. Remember the word of God. And remember, this isn't just for us. It's for others. Remember why you're doing what you're doing. And here's what's funny is we, for, we tend to forget Jesus in the good times and only remember him in the bad. Uh, you see this at church. Some of you, I only see you when there's a crisis in your life. When your marriage is falling apart, when the kids are going nuts, when everything's happening, when, when, it, when you hit the wall, then that's when you show up. Oh, God, I need you, I need you, I need you. Wow, it's quiet in here. And then when things get good and God answers your prayer and he turns things around and he blesses you, then, ah, oh, man, you know, it's just life's busy, kids are in soccer, we're playing hockey, you know, we've we're got this, you know, we, we got a football game this weekend, you know, this is happening, that's happening, you know, we've been up north and down south and out east, out west, <laughs> take your pick. We, we've been doing, and, and, and this isn't a new thing. Solomon says in Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verse 20, they seldom reflect on the days of their life because God keeps them occupied with the gladness of their heart. But the truth of the matter is, is that we really do tend to forget Jesus until we crash and we burn. And Paul's saying to, to, to Timothy, don't crash and burn before you remember Jesus. Remember who he is. Remember that he loved you. His grace is sufficient for you. Remember that God loved you enough that he gave his only son. Remember that Jesus Christ came to this earth and made of himself no reputation, and they died on the cross for your sins. Remember that he'll stick with you to the end. Remember his word, the word of God. Remember that, that, that it, it will last you, and all you've got to do is lean on that. Remember that it's about other people. Remember that life is not just a totality of yourself. 
And today what I would say for all of us is to remember Christ, what he's done for you. Maybe you need to write that down and just, just ponder that question this week. What has Jesus done for you? Why are you here? Are you here because you lost a bet? Are you here because somebody made you? That, that's some of you every weekend, somebody's in that situation. Um, are you here because of, of someone else that you're trying to, maybe there's some sweet something, something that's here up at the church, and you're like, well, you know, I'm just going to get close to Jesus and get close to her. It's not a bad plan, but I'm just saying, why are you here? Better be because of Jesus. What does his word speak to you? What resonates? I tell this to people all the time. This is it. You know, you hear pastors say, well, God's word said, you know, I really felt like God said this to me. I really felt like the Lord spoke to me. Can I just tell you, and it's just for everybody, but one of the ways that, that I feel like God speaks to me is when I hear something or I read something or I come across something that resonates with me. It's like there's something about that. There's something in that statement. I'm going to have to live that statement one day. I'm going to, have to, I'm going to be confronted with that one day. That's going to be an issue for me one day. Or, 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 wow, that's right where I'm living and right where I'm camping out. Or that's going to be a word of hope. I need to write that down. I remember when I first got here, I got a, a, a fortune uh, cookie. And uh, I didn't go, go to a seance or something, get a fortune, but a fortune cookie. And it said, you are heading for a, a land of sunshine. That, that never happened, but I, you know, it resonated with me. So, so what, what, what is it? And, and, and I would also say, you know, today, what, what bearing does what you do have on other people? That's what Paul's trying to get Timothy to remember. That's the whole power review, to remember who Jesus is, to remember that. And the last thing that he says is in verse 14, to remind, to remind. Paul says to Timothy, I love that, keep reminding God's people of these things. What are these things, the preceding things in the letter, what he's just written? Remind. Remind yourself. Self-talk is good. And remind others. Help connect the dots. I do this all the time. If you have kids, you do this with your kids. You pull them aside occasionally, and you, you help connect the dots for them. You remind them. You're bringing them back to. This is what I was talking about when I said, do you remember when I said, do you remember when we had this conversation? Do you remember back when... This is what I meant by this. There are times I'm with staff members, and we will we'll, we'll, we will have meetings and have conversations about, about plans and, and, and developments and new mission, ministries and issues that we want to launch. And we may be at a conference, we may be somewhere, and I'll text them and go, Here, this is what I was talking about. Or, or, or I listen to this, or, or I'll go by their office and go, hey, I want you to read this, read this article, or, or I'll, I'll email something to them, and I want you to read this, I want you to process this. I'm connecting the dots. I'm reminding them of the things that we've talked about. This is what Paul says to Timothy. Today, what do you need to be reminded of? What are the things you need to be reminded of? Maybe it's your calling. Maybe it's your responsibilities. Maybe it's your commitment. What do you, what do you need to be reminded of? What are the things that, that resonate with you? What, what are the things? What, what do you need to remind others in your life of? Maybe you're leading an organization or a company, and, and there are things that you need to sit down and go, you know what, maybe I need to help connect the dots. That's part of leadership. It's kind of, you know, it's, it's kind of helping to fill in the blanks. And as a pastor, this is what I do regularly. This is part of my job description, is to equip you and to encourage you and to stir you up to do great things, to do the things you already know. There's very few things, if you've been following Jesus Christ for very long, there's very few things I'm going to say on a weekend that you don't already know. 
Now, every weekend, I try to find some nuance, some something, uh, something that may be a bit obscure that will add a little texture to, to what I'm saying that you'll go, I never thought of it that way before. I never saw it that way before. I, I didn't know that's what they said. I didn't know what that's what that meant. But the reality is, is the bulk of what I'm going to say is simply going to remind you of these things. Why? Because that's my job. It's to remind you what God's Word says. You've read it. You know it. I'm going to remind you of those things. You, you, you know what you need to do. I'm just going to remind you of those things. I, I'm just going give to give the Holy Spirit an opportunity to be able to, to speak into your life. This is why gathering regularly as a church is so important. Because the, the, the reality is, is it's a time to remind that's why we do why we do life kids, and we do children's ministry. And so right now, there's ele- your your elementary age children and grandkids and nieces and nephews are all uh, should all be in uh, in life kids, and they're getting reminded of the things that you're teaching them. Deuteronomy chapter six, verse six and seven says it's your responsibilities, mom and dad, to teach and train your kids. So all that we're going to do is come alongside and reiterate those values that you're already teaching them to remind your kids of this is why we do what we do to help connect the dots. Uh, with, with students, if you have teenagers, this is why we do midweek. We don't do any other midweek activities. Occasionally we'll have a, a teaching or we'll have a gathering, but for the most part it's middle school and high school. Why? Because that's the most important thing that we do that week. And we do that not because it's just something for your kids to do or another thing on your agenda because God knows we don't need anything else we have to do. Amen, moms and dads? That was a good time you say amen, because I don't know about you, but I, feel, I told Tammy, I said, I'm going to get you a yellow car next and just put a taxi, you know, maybe we can get some money off these kids for all this that you drive around. But, but it's so that they're here to be reminded, reminded of the things that you're teaching them, reminding them of who Jesus is. It, it, it's, it's so that it remind them of the person of Christ and remind them of the word of Christ and remind them. And this, is, this amazes me. I'm just going to tell you, I youth pastor for almost 10 years. I have an almost 16-year-old, and I have a 12-year-old. And it amazes me the number of parents that will skip and allow their kids to skip church on Wednesday night so their kids can go to a sporting activity or to an event. I understand occasional things. But I'm just going to tell you, in 20 years, I've had kids out of my youth groups and out of our ministries go to play Division I scholarship sports, but never had had one yet go pro. And the statistics of your child going professional in that career of, of sports or athletics is pretty, is pretty close to zero. But the reality that they're going to face life and have to deal with the things that are being taught, with, taught every Wednesday night is, is 100% it's going to happen. And I talk to parents sometimes, they go, well, you know, they're just in sixth grade. Can I tell you the most pivotal time of a kid's life is not high school? It's middle school. That's when they're making decisions. That's when the trajectories of their life are beginning to change from elementary to, to deciding who they're going to hang with. Are they going to party? Are, are they going to try this drug? Are they going to do this? Oh, no, not my kids. Yeah, your kids. I've sat in too many, I've had too many conversations with too many parents, and the kid's 16, and they're in my office, and they're telling me, here's what Johnny's doing, and we don't know what to do. And you know what I tell those parents? Hang on. Because you created this monster. You created Frankenstein. You didn't do what you were supposed to do. You didn't handle it the way you were supposed to. And you, you, you refused to listen. And at the end of the day, you've created this, hang on. Hell's fixing to break loose. Because the time to fix him is when he's 13. It's when he's 14. It's the first time he's been exposed to something, when they're 12. And that's the reason why we're so passionate about 
about, about youth ministry, about student ministry here at Life Church. It's not because there's nothing else to do. It's not because there's not another area to spend money or resources or hire staff. It's because your kids matter. They matter to you. They matter to me. They matter to God. And, 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 and they need to be in an environment where they're reminded of who Jesus is every week. And they are always, teenagers are going to be social before they're spiritual. So we put them in an environment that's very socially charged because their friends are going to be the, the second highest influencer in their life besides you as parents. So what Paul's telling Timothy, this is what we do regularly. This is that whole reminding process. And it's adults. Again, as adults, we need this. You need to be equipped. You need to be encouraged. You need to be stirred up. I, I need that. That's the reason why I, I, I have a steady diet of teaching and preaching that I'm, I'm involved in and that I'm heavily involved in relationships and in conferences uh, to receive from so that I can be reminded of the things that I need to do to stay on course to, to do what God's called me to do. That's what Paul's saying to Timothy when he says, I want you to remind them of these things. Remind them. Now I want to end with something a little different. If you'll, if you'll turn back to chapter 1 of 2 Timothy I want to go backwards instead of forward as I wrap this up. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 6. And here's what you have to understand, too. All of the chapter breaks in, in the books of the Bible that you have in your hand, those are all man-made. So, there, you know, Paul didn't write. Paul wrote a letter, two letters to Timothy. And the first letter was 1 Timothy, and the second letter is 2 Timothy. And so all the chapter breaks and all the verse breaks and even the subject breaks, those are all just in those, those were put in there to help us to be able to identify and reference a book quickly. So we could say chapter 2, verse 1, chapter 3, verse whatever. That's just a referencing device. There's nothing spiritual about that. So really what I'm doing is I'm just going back to the first part of the letter. And in verse 6, Paul says this to Timothy. Therefore, I remind or the King James says, remember you to stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. He, he, he used that phrase, therefore I remind you. That word remind, or, or if you have the King James Bible version, it says remember. That means to review, to rewind, to replay the memory. To review, to rewind, or to replay the memory. Like a video recording. Like how you'd take a recording and you would, you, you, would, you would record that. And then you'd come back and you'd play it. It's like a coach that will watch game tape over and over and over again. They'll watch it and they'll review it. They'll watch it and they'll review it. They'll rewind it. They'll keep going back over it. It's like someone that really wants to get something down. and You're, you're, you're trying to a lesson. You're, you're going to go back to it. You're going to listen. Now, what did they say? What did they do? There are memories. There's past that Paul's telling Timothy we should replay, we should review over and over again as not to forget them. So if we were really going to write this verse, it could be translated into, I'm putting you in memory of all these things so that by your reviewing or your replaying of them, you might stir up the gift of God that is in you. That's what I'm asking you to do. As I'm asking you to replay, to rewind, to review what God's done in your life, what he's done in your home, what he's done in your marriage. Hey, it's not over yet, but where you are and, and where you're going and, and, and to pay attention 
to those things, to remind you of who Jesus is and his place, to remind you of the calling that you have on your life, whether it's to the marketplace or it's it's to to full-time vocational ministry, to remind you of these things. Don't forget what God's done for you because these memories, what they'll do is they'll stir you up. They'll encourage you as you face your present dilemma. They'll give you faith. Just as God has always been faithful to you in the past, he'll be faithful to you right now. And it's easy sometimes in the good times to forget, but never forget how God has healed you. Don't forget how he's delivered you. Don't forget how he saved you. Don't forget how he guided you, how he's directed you, how he's brought you through difficult trials. You may be in a difficult trial today, but look back on the things he's done to this point. How he's provided you during, uh, during hard financial times. How he's protected you from harm. And here's the power. Look at that verse again. These kinds of memories are powerful because they will stir up your faith today. When you practice this discipline of review, what happens is is the calling, the reason, the values, all of those things begin to become stirred up in you. They encourage you to move ahead. And they give you perspective. Music has a way of doing this. We hear songs occasionally that will take us someplace. They'll translate us. Uh, if I hear songs from the 80s, it takes me back to high school. Um, you know, there's just certain, and, 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 and maybe when the song that was popular when you came to faith in Christ is probably your favorite worship song. If we ever sing that song, ah, it's just that way. You know, that's, that's it. And I was going back through and I was processing this and, and on my, uh, my iTunes, on my phone, I was just listening to songs in my car. And I came across a song that was powerful to me 11 years ago, the first winter that we spent here. And we had come from, Tammy and I had come from a pretty established large church. We were the second largest employer in the city of Broken Arrow. It was a suburb of Tulsa. And there were staff and there were people and there was a Christian school. There was all kinds of stuff going on. And I knew God had called us here. And I would come in on Saturday nights to make sure that things were ready for Sunday. And then it was 4,000 square feet. I mean, you could fit the entire church in like this section right here of the room. And it was cold and it was dark. And I'd come in. At that point in time, the biggest bar in town was on our parking lot where our offices are now. And there would be cars everywhere. And I would feel, just if I can just be really honest with you, like the devil was just taunting me every Saturday night I'd come in. Like, see, you're not going to change these people. You're not going to change this town. Jesus is not going to do anything here. I'd take my keys, I'd unlock the door, I'd go in. Sound system was really simple then. I, I, could, I knew how to turn it on. I have no idea how to do anything here now. And I would drop a CD in. And there was a song that I would play, and I would begin to pray. And I'd pray over every seat, those hundred seats. And it started like this. I don't have to have a choir. I don't have to have an orchestra. I don't have to have a big church to worship you, God. All I have to do is to worship you alone. And wherever I am, you are. 
And I can't tell you how many times I would sit in that altar area and I would pray and I would plead with God and I would cry. And sometimes it was frustration like, oh God, have you forgotten me and sent me to Siberia? What's going on? It's cold. Other times where have I lost my ever-loving mind? Did I really know what I was doing? Other times where I'd go, God, the, the, the parking lot, I mean, we're barely having 100 people on Sunday morning. There's 20 cars in the lot, and there are hundreds of cars here to come to this bar. And I would play that song, and it would take me back to, to God was like, I, you don't need all this, here. I don't need majestic choirs. All I need is you just to trust me, just to believe. And my faith would get built up. I'd feel like I could take on hell with a water gun. I'd wipe my face. I'd straighten everything up. I'd lock every, turn everything off, lock everything up. Get back into my car and just drive a couple blocks down to the apartments where Tammy and I were renting a, a place. And get up and preach my guts out on Sunday morning. I remember the first 13 weeks I preached, I gave an altar call and nobody responded for 13 weeks. And week two, I thought, hey, it's on like Donkey Kong. I'm going to keep doing this or somebody. Some, some, the church mouse is going to get saved. Somebody, something's going to happen. And as I'm in my car, this last week, I came across that song. And I happened to be driving down Mequon Road and the Christmas lights were on. The big life church sign was lit up. And God brought me back to that Saturday night with a hundred people that first winter. Where all I was, in the words of Bon Jovi, truly living on a prayer, knowing that God had called, and that was all I knew. And God just reminded me again, Aaron, I'm the same God. Look what I've done. Look how I've worked. But don't ever forget that I don't need any of this. I just need you. I just need you. I don't need buildings. I don't need people. I don't need programs. I just need you. And don't lose yourself in any... I just need you. And I'm telling you, that piece of perspective as I began to reflect and began to remember and it began to stir something up inside of me that gave me strength for the journey that gave me the ability to want to move forward because I'm just like you there are days I want to quit there are days I am done there are days where you don't pay me enough money to put up with this there are days where I just go who cares really who cares You don't look at me like that you, like you don't have those moments we all do but you come back to, this is why. This is the calling. This is the reason. That's the reason why Paul told that to Timothy. Timothy, don't forget these things. Take time to review. Take time to reflect. Take time to remember. Take time to remind yourself and to remind others. And I'm just reminding you today that God is still on the throne, that he's still high and lifted up, and that he still has your best interest in hand. And you may have gone left or right but allow the memories of what God's done for you to build you up and to strengthen you Father I just thank you today for your word 
I thank you today, Lord, for the fact that it never ceases to amaze me, the pertinence of your word, how timely it is. I've read these pastoral epistles many, 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 many times. But as I was beginning to study for this message and for this series, you just illuminated. I just saw it from this perspective. And these words began to jump off the page. As we're in this series of re, of going back again, of remembering, of reflecting, of reminding ourselves and understanding that that practice and that process is powerful to be able to transform us and, and, and renew us to be what you've called us to be. I pray today for every person that's here that we would just take some time today in this week and just reflect to go back and to remember and to be reminded of who you are, Jesus, of what you've done, of what you're doing, and that you would help us on our journey as we move ahead of what are the things that we need to start doing and initiate in our lives? What are the things we need to stop doing and pull back on? What are the things we just need to continue to be faithful in doing? Speak to our hearts, oh Lord, during this series. Speak to our hearts, Lord, during our quiet times, our devotional times, during the week. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.